This is the Sleeper Hold Podcast. Welcome to the Sleeper Hole Podcast, where there's no disqualification on the topics and falls count anywhere. I am your host, Priest, and we are continuing the Women in Wrestling series as we talk about one of the greatest women during the Attitude Era and post-Attitude Era. But before that, I want to bring on one of the local women in wrestling who I have gotten to know as an awesome friend. She is called the Queen of PWA, Harleen. Harleen, welcome to the show. Good. Uh, good to have me on. What's up? Well, I want to make sure people get to know you a little bit. So to right. make sure they get to know you, I have a few small questions. I know I've gotten to know you myself, but we want to make sure that all the fans know. So when you do get inside that ring, they know who to root for. All right. I, first off, I want to start off by asking a few questions and having our listeners understand a little bit more about you. What drew you into the wrestling world and helped you consider to become a wrestler? Um, wrestling has been a huge part of my life since I was about five. And, um, I don't know. It's just, it was an end all be all kind of thing. The second I started watching it, I knew somehow that was going to be where I was going to end up is in the ring at a young age. Um, I eventually just contacted one of the PWA owners and I got involved as quick as I possibly could. And now I'm the queen of PWA. Was there like a certain wrestler when you were little that made you inspired? Like for me, it was, I know it's cliche for some people, but like The Undertaker or personally for me, it was definitely Bret Hart. Uh, The person that inspired me the most whenever I first started watching it was, in fact, uh, Lita. She taught me that you don't have to be a regular, you know, Barbie type doll person, woman to be in the ring. You can be someone outgoing, adventurous, dance to the beat of your own drum, you know? And that was, I kind of related to her in a very strong way. She definitely inspired me a lot. Yeah, Lita was definitely great for that. She gave a bunch of a punk rock type of indie type personality and style. And that's why I'm glad that we're having you here because we are going to talk about her later on. But going through training, because I know you did recently graduate and you had some incredible trainers at the PWA Academy. What are some of your favorite memories? Uh, My favorite memories. Um, Well, my most memorable memory would probably be my first bump. Uh, My first bumps, anybody will tell you that saw it that day were terrible, but you (laughs) know, it was something (laughs) I'm sure you've heard war stories. Um, I've been through it. I've, remember my first bump still to this day as well as my first series of chops oh yeah oh yeah they were oh oh my goodness um ask anybody that was there that night my bumps uh some people had to suppress them from their memories thank you brent dunn um (laughs) but that was definitely a memorable experience because even though i didn't learn it at the time that i would like it took me two weeks to learn how to properly bump uh, I was either going to go brain dead doing it or learn it. Absolutely. That was, 
something that was very memorable. That was pretty much my whole learning experience with it, because I started back when Mr. Archie was actually the owner of 3CW, and trying to learn the bumps, it took me about two to three weeks, and each time I remember being yelled at, tuck your head in. I swear <laughs> I thought I was going to be brain dead by the time it was done. And then they taught me how to take a chop, and nobody told me to keep my necklace up. I had a necklace that had a cross on it. And I knew I'd keep it up for certain people. And I thought I went through the whole list because initiation was everybody got a free chop on me. I thought I got through the whole list, put the cross back down. And this guy came running in, double chopped me, and I had an indent on my sternum from the the cross. So you had a weird tattoo of a cross? (laughs) Yeah, it it lasted about a day or two. But man, did it hurt. Oh, yeah, for sure. So what was probably the hardest thing for you to learn? Um, I don't know. Uh, everything kind of came at its own pace. Uh, I don't think anything was necessarily hard to learn. It just took a while for me to, you know, kind of understand what was going on. I tried to, you know, it was, it was weird at first. I like, I kind of tried to dip my toes in it for a little bit before fully jumping in, but now it's just, nothing was necessarily hard. It just came at its own pace. Okay. Some slower than most. Yeah, absolutely. I remember learning how to do flip bumps was kind of a tricky part for me because I would overthink it. And then finally, when they put me in the motion, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Gavin Alexander who actually was like, you know what? You're going to do it with me standing right here and having him right there so I could picture it and do the flip bump with him against me like he was going to actually hip toss me. Yeah. was the perfect thing because I actually learned how to do it without overthinking it. Oh, yeah. Front bumps... um... Are probably that was probably one of the most trickiest things for me besides the actual bump itself. Um, it was Brian Ely and Bradley Stevens. They actually had to hip toss me about eighty-seven thousand times before <laughs> I before I properly took a front bump. And now my front bumps are fine. I still so thank you. Face bump to save my life. <laughs> face bump? Oh man! I, I hate face bumping. Uh, can, not too, it's not too hard for me. It's just, I try, uh, sometimes. I can bump and powder hard as a manager getting his knock, uh, nonsense knocked out of him. But if you ask me to face bump, I look so stupid. <laughs> so yeah. I've noticed from watching some of your videos, cause I did see some of the footage that was put on Facebook and whatnot, watching you in training, kicking butt and everything else. I can definitely oh, yeah. see that you're going to be an aggressive wrestler. My question, though, for you is you're going to be more of a striker, a tactical wrestler. What are we looking at? Uh, I'm trying to go for more tactical. I like strikes, but it's, I don't know. I don't really like to use fists or elbows. I kind of like to just, I love chain wrestling. That's nice. one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite things to do is chain wrestle. So you'll probably see a lot more of that than anything else. I can respect uh, that. DDTs are another thing that I like to do. Always fun. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, bulldogs, you can expect to see a lot of those. Um, I like to kick. That's not the only thing that comes <laughs> with strikes. I love to kick. Yeah, I, I have to say, I think tactical wrestling is one that gets overlooked so much, but it's such a great style. I mean, again, my favorite's Bret Hart. 
But I love oh, yeah. the idea of people who know how to wear down their opponent and work down the body parts so they don't only win by pin, but they could easily win by submission. I like submission moves, definitely, for sure. Um, I'm trying to learn a few of them right now. Submission moves are definitely something that I want, I'm putting on my to-do list. Well, I definitely got to keep an eye out for that, and I'm looking forward to it. Now, we do know that PWA has begun its women's division, and we saw four of the women already. What oh, do you yeah. feel so far about your competition? Um, the competition is it's, it's good. I liked it. I really did. Um, Andrea impressed me a lot. Very impressed by her. Same with Destiny. Uh, I did not like how Destiny tried to claim that she was the queen. That was something that kind of hit home, so... Be on yeah, the lookout for that one. Her on that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She was never on the throne to be dethroned in the first place. <laughs> um, I was definitely impressed by Brittany and uh, Nina. They were definitely. It was. They were all very impressive. But they got to remember that there's still a queen around here. You just haven't necessarily seen me. But oh, I'll be yes. around. Now, besides just them. Do you have any special message you'd like to say to those four women or any of the women in the independent circuit around central Illinois? Um, I may be new, but and I may not be the best now, but get in the ring with me once and I already know all your moves. And I will for sure teach you why I am the queen of PWA. I love Very it. <laughs> I seriously see a lot of great things coming from you. I've seen you train. I've seen your personality on this. Guys, girls, everybody who's listening, definitely keep an eye out for Queen Harleen. She is going to be one vicious person and somebody you'll never forget. For sure. So, Harleen, anything else you have to want to add or ask or anything like that? I mean, this the floor is yours. Um. It's not necessarily something, uh, something that I want to add is that uh, while I may be very vicious in the ring, I do like to have a very strong bond with the fans. I want to motivate people. So while I may be very vicious and I may be, you know, aggressive or whatever, but just know, just know I'm trying to motivate everybody else to accomplish what they want to accomplish. I have a motive behind everything that I do. Because I, I remember whenever I was that. little. That's definitely the best thing to hear. And see people connect with the fans is the best thing. I mean, right there you guys have a Harleen, the queen of PWA. Not only is she going to be tough as nails, but she's right there for her fans. you got to love that. One more question for you. I just thought of this. All I right. know there's a women's division. I know you're going to rock it. But mm-hmm. do you ever think you'll pull like a China or something and teach the boys a few lessons. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I'm going to dominate that di- women's division, and I'm going to go straight for the men's division. There's no, there's no doubt. I got to show everybody that I'm queen for a reason, and I can't just show them by just dominating the women's. <laughs> I'm already picturing in my head seeing you standing face to face pretty much button heads staring down the eyes of Guy Smith right now. Let him know that his time is coming. Oh, yeah. Teacher versus student. I'd, I'd, like, I'd love to see that happen. 
I think that would be awesome. Guy Smith, if you're listening to this, you have two votes for that. PWA, same thing goes (laughs) for you guys. All right. Well, Harleen, thank you so much for this little moment of time. I definitely am glad to have you on here. So let's continue this show and talk about one of the women in wrestling that also seems to be a favorite of Harleen's. She has gone above and beyond the limits of what you expect for women's wrestling. She has a powerful punk rocker, a free-spirited personality. From Team Extreme to a singles run with many title reigns as the women's champion, tonight we talk in honor Lita. After watching Rey Mysterio Jr. wrestle on WCW Monday Nitro, Lita knew she wanted to be a wrestler as well. She traveled to Mexico for training back in 1998. To finance her training, she performed as an exotic dancer at a nearby club under the name Misty. After being thoroughly trained by various people, Lita started her career by wrestling with Impresa Mexicana de Lucha Libre. However, upon returning to the United States, she started out more as a valet in the independent circuit with Maryland Championship Wrestling. She even served as a valet for Christopher Daniels. But what set her on the map towards her career was when she went to NWA Mid-Atlantic and met Matt and Jeff Hardy, who were willing to train her. In 1999, Paul Heyman approached Lita while being the owner and booker of Extreme Championship Wrestling. She starred in ECW as Miss Congeniality, the girlfriend of Danny Doring. During the pay-per-view heat wave, her name was changed to Angelica, where Doring also proposed to her. Lita's training continued as she went to the Funkin' Controversy, led by Dory Funk Jr., On August 1999, she graduated the training school and returned to ECW. During the time, Funk and his wife compiled a video and submitted it to the WWF. By November 1st, 1999, she was signed to the WWF. On February 13th, 2000, she debuted in the WWF under the name that she would be eternally recognized by Lita. She began her partnership with... Esa Rios that involved a feud against Eddie Guerrero and China. Rios had a chance for the European Championship at Backlash and lost. After losing the match, Rios and Lita turned around and went against the Godfather and his escorts. During this time, tension was building between Rios and Lita, leading to a moment where Lita inadvertently cost Rios the match. Out of frustration, Rios powerbombed Lita and disowned her. After the breakup, Lita ended up joining with her friends Matt and Jeff Hardy, forming Team Extreme. Lita took on a more alternative and punk rock type of appearance. Lita was also the only woman willing to brave through a tables, ladders, and chairs match. On June 2000, Team Extreme began a feud with TNA, which consisted of Test, Albert, and Trish Stratus. This small feud between teams developed into a long-term feud between Lita and Trish that continued until Trish's retirement. The first of their feuds ended after the fully loaded pay-per-view in a six-person intergender tag match. After this, Lita set her focus on a feud with the women's champion, Stephanie McMahon. On April 21st, 2000, 
Lita defeated Stephanie and won her first women's championship while The Rock was the guest referee and there were several interferences by Triple H and Kurt Angle. Here at the Sleeper Hold Podcast, we strongly believe in helping others. This quarter, the Sleeper Hold Podcast is going pink with Susan G. Komen as we join the Rise Above Cancer campaign. Susan G. Komen is the world's largest nonprofit funder of breast cancer research. Breast cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer in the world and the second leading cause of cancer-related deaths among women in the United States. There are already more than 3.1 million breast cancer survivors now in the United States, and your contributions will help with the research and work to increase the number of survivors of breast cancer. For more information or to make your donation, Visit thesleeperhold.com and click on the Susan G. Komen link. Lita held the women's championship while the Hardy Boys carried on a feud against Edge and Christian. Lita often would cost Edge and Christian the match by interfering, and in kind, she lost her women's championship when Edge and Christian interfered and helped Ivory win the title. This was during Ivory's time with Right to Censor, where Lita was targeted by the faction mainly due to her attire. Lita tried many times to reclaim the title, but with Ivory's teammate, Stephen Richards, constantly getting involved and costing Lita her opportunity, well, it wasn't so lucky. Lita did redirect her focus on the storyline with her would-be suitor, Dean Malenko, including one time challenging him for the light heavyweight championship, but failing and falling short. Her feud with Dean Malenko continued during early 2001, and after beating Malenko on February 19th on an episode of Raw, Lita was kissed by Matt Hardy, who had helped her win the match, and this took their real-life romance to also being an on-screen romance. The two teamed up in various intergender matches together and was basically a hot commodity in the WWE his, well, WWE's soap opera history, I guess you could say. Now see... Lita and Matt's relationship was kind of one that I personally liked when I was growing up. I know a lot of people can relate with me because my generation while growing up, you had a little bit of everything, which I mean, I'm not saying you didn't have that for other things, but a lot of my friends, we were the outcast type people. We were the unique ones. We wanted to express ourselves and be different from the crowd and seeing these people, Matt and Jeff and Lita who dressed differently, who acted differently, who made piercings and tattoos look cool and that you could really just express yourself any way you want and be accepted for who you are and what you want to be really kind of spoke out to us. And then to see that, you know, you didn't have to have these Barbie girl type of stereotype. You could have the fiery redhead punk rocker be the girl that's, you know, not only beautiful, but is... The girl that, you know, you definitely would want, but you don't think you have the chance, but you want to be just like Matt or whatever. And guess what? He got the girl. So you kind of had that feeling that you could do that too one day. So it was a really kind of a cool thing for a lot of people. Now, during mid-2001, Lita and Trish actually joined forces as part of Team WWF to go against the Alliance members Stacey Keebler and Tori Wilson. The two defeated Keebler and Wilson during a... Invasion pay-per-view in what was actually the first tag team bra and panties match. As the Invasion story continued, we had Jacqueline join up with Lita and Trish while Mighty Molly became part of the Alliance. 
And at the end of the Invasion storyline, a six-pack match for the vacant WWF Women's Championship was held, and Trish Stratus became the champion during that time. Following this, in late 2001, the Hardy Boys started having problems of their own as the two brothers were constantly feuding with each other. Often this put Lita in the middle of the situation, and during a Vengeance pay-per-view, Lita refereed a match between the two brothers and declared Jeff the winner by pinfall. And the big kicker here is that Matt actually had his foot on the rope, but Lita didn't see it. And this made Matt so irate that he did not win and his girlfriend picked his brother over him. So after Matt was outraged with Lita, the following episode of Raw, Matt defeated Lita and Jeff in a handicap match before he kind of declared the Hardy Boys to be over, as well as his relationship with Lita. However, when Jeff went to a hardcore match against The Undertaker, let's see here, that was about December, both Jeff and Lita were injured and led to a quick reconciliation between them and Matt. And on December 20th, the episode of SmackDown, Matt Hardy faced the dead man, but also became injured, causing all three team members of Team Extreme to be put on the sideline for a short time. By February of 2002, the trio returned and Lita resumed her pursuit for the Women's Championship. On March 17th, Lita made her in-ring debut on the grandest stage of them all, WrestleMania 18. During this match at WrestleMania, Lita faced against Trish Stratus and the women's champion, Jazz. Lita did not win the match, but still got to live part of the dream, which is being on the WrestleMania card. On April 6, 2002, Lita appeared to have suffered a neck injury during her guest appearance on the TV series Dark Angel. After having a CAT scan, it was discovered she had three cracks on her vertebrae and required surgery. What happened was that she was going to perform a hurricanrana during a fight scene, a move she has done hundreds of times. The problem is that the stunt double she was working with dropped her during the rotation of the move and Lita landed right on her neck and shoulders. Dr. Youngblood performed the surgery and used a section of her hip to fuse that C5 and C6 vertebrae together. While taking the following year to recover and undergo a rehab, Lita still actually did appear on Sunday Night Heat as a color commentator. That is, until the general manager of Sunday Night Heat, Eric Bischoff, tried to encourage Lita to follow in Tori Wilson's footsteps and pose for Playboy. However, Lita refused this, and due to that, she was fired... After 17 months of being away from the ring, Lita returned during an episode of Raw to save Trish Stratus from the ambush by Gail Kim and Molly Holly. Steve Austin, co-general manager with Eric Bischoff, had rehired Lita. Lita and Stratus took on Holly and Kim during the Unforgiven pay-per-view on September 21st and won. Lita then continued a feud with Molly Holly and took the Women's Championship from her at the Survivor Series on November 16, 2003. During the following episode of Raw, Matt was moved from SmackDown to Raw and the couple were reunited. When Matt was about to propose to Lita, Molly Holly interrupted them 
challenging them both to face her and Bischoff in an intergender tag team match that evening. After the two had agreed to Molly's challenge, Eric added that Lita would earn a title shot if she won, but if she lost, she would be fired. Matt cost the two the match by refusing to tag in, saying that it was because Lita, selfishly, returned to Raw instead of SmackDown, and that she cared more about the title than him. If you ask me, that sounds like a very spoiled child baby maneuver by Matt. She was in Raw instead of with SmackDown and me. She may not have had a choice, dude. Yeah, I know, I'm ragging on messing with Matt you know I am a big fan of the Hardys but man that was just really shady of him here's the cool part though Christian used his Survivor Series favor to have Eric Bischoff reinstate Lita later on the yet that whole year this is what's funny to me only because if you remember from earlier when I was talking Christian was one of the two people that caused Lita to lose her title to Ivory, and now he was helping her return to the ring? That's pretty awesome. A week later, Lita had a match against Victoria in the first ever women's steel cage match, but she lost it due to Matt Hardy once more getting involved. It looked like Christian and Lita were now developing a relationship right around the same time that Trish Stratus and Chris Jericho were. After an intergender tag team match on Raw, Trish Stratus overheard Jericho talking to Christian about who would likely be able to sleep with their respective female partner first. This did not bode well with Trish or Lita, and the two confronted the men and the result was a battle of the sexes match at Armageddon. Unfortunately, the women did lose that match. Sleeper Hole Podcast is proud to be partnered up and broadcasting with 217 Radio, an internet radio station in the central Illinois area. To keep up with our new weekly schedule, our show is aired every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, and yours truly also has another show at that same time every Wednesday where I freely speak my mind on some of the news locally and nationally. But you don't only get to listen to me. There's great music and incredible shows from other hosts as well. Soon, I will be super looking forward to the show that talks about the paranormal and does the little investigations. I'm a big paranormal junkie, so that one's going to be awesome once it gets up and going. Wednesdays also has 217 Problems, which is from the same great creator of 217 Problems, which is named and shown on Facebook. Now, Pickett, he's one of the producers of 217 Radio, and he has the Pickett's Movie Show on Saturdays, which is great for those who want to review on what movies to check out. And I'm looking forward to seeing my buddy, Jeremy Bailey, launch Lincoln's Legends on the Thursday night slot. Now, this is a big-time growing show, so let me tell you, many shows are being added as days roll by, and there's many things going on. So... I am very, very sure there's going to be so many great things to check out as new shows are added and there's something for everybody. So what are you waiting for? Just go to 217radio.com. Sit back, relax, 
and enjoy some great shows and a great variety of music. Throughout early 2004, Lita was running strong in the women's division, including a win in a battle royal to declare her the number one contender for the championship. During the Backlash pay-per-view, Victoria retained her title against Lita. That following night, Kane was trying to harm Lita, and Matt Hardy came to the rescue. It looked like the two were reunited as a couple in their on-again, off-again, on-again, off-again type relationship situation. The following weeks, Kane continuously assaulted Matt Hardy while trying to mess with Lita. During these assaults, Kane kept telling her that she better give him what he wants or he will destroy Matt. Eventually, Lita caved and agreed. But to the fans, or at least me when I was younger and was watching this, we had no idea what he was referring to. He once even kidnapped Lita and held her hostage backstage. Kane even persuaded the general manager, Eric Bischoff, to give Lita a title shot at Bad Blood. Lita became part of a fatal four match against Gail Kim, Trish Stratus, and the defending champion, Victoria. Trish yet again became the champion, and the following night on Raw, Lita revealed that she was pregnant. One week later, Matt Hardy prepared to propose to Lita, but the proposal was cut short, Yet, like just like before, but this time it was cut short by Kane, claiming that he was the father of Lita's child. This built up to more drama between the three, and two months later, it was revealed through testing that Kane was, in fact, the father. For several months, Kane and Matt Hardy feuded and led to a Till Death Do Us Part match on SummerSlam. The stipulation was simple. It's pretty much that if Kane won, Lita had no choice but to marry him. And, well, Kane did win the match, and on August 23rd, 2004, the two were set to marry. Even though, after the marriage, Lita continuously foiled Kane's matches and assisted his opponents. Lita grew fond of the idea of a child, but on September 13th, 2004, Gene Snitsky struck Kane with a chair on the back, caused him to fall forward and on top of Lita, and ruined all of Lita's fond thoughts of being a mother. Irate with losing their child, Kane and Lita joined forces to take revenge on Snitsky, who constantly said, It's not my fault! I won't say too much on this except that it ended brutally with Kane being majorly injured. It even made me nauseous. So, if you want to go watch it, go ahead, but man, the ending... With the pregnancy over, Lita refocused on the women's division and the title. The focus also led towards Trish, who had made constant degrading comments towards Lita throughout her entire pregnancy. The one final trigger was when Trish said something about Lita being a bit chubby due to the baby fat that still remained even after the uh, baby was no longer around in the miscarriage. Lita retaliated and attacked Trish backstage, and following this, Lita challenged Trish for her championship at Survivor Series. 
After being fed up with all the humiliation and all the degrading comments, Lila's focus was not really on the title as much as it was on dealing the most harm to Trish as possible and making sure that a statement was made. Lita did end up being disqualified from the match because of all her aggressive actions, but she felt accomplished as she broke Trish's nose. The feud didn't end there, though. Oh, no. These guys have been going on for so long, you think it's going to end right there? On December 6th, Lita defeated Trish and won her second WWE Women's Championship. The two carried on a match at New Year's Revolution where Trish regained the championship. Lita's left ACL was torn while performing a Thez press off the apron, and this injury actually led to a rushed finish and escorted Lita to the hospital. So I really have to think that if it wasn't for that injury, maybe the outcome would have been different. Because from what I understand, Lita was to win her title, at least during that one. She was supposed to win and retain it, but then she was supposed to win her title back at WrestleMania 21 when she recovered. But because of her injury, she really wasn't placed back on the card. They didn't feel she was ready yet, and more likely she wasn't. That's a huge injury for those who don't know. But March 2005, Lita did return to the WWE and mentored Christy Hem, who pretty much was currently feuding with Trish and was kind of new to the whole area. Stratus defeated him and at WrestleMania 21 with Lita assisting, but the following Monday, Trish demanded that Christy come in and have a rematch against her, saying that she was willing to put her title back on the line. Before the match even started, Trish delivered a chick kick to Christy, knocking her out cold. Irate about this, though, Lita confronted Trish, ignoring her injury, and the two began to exchange blows. Knowing that Lita was still injured, Trish struck the injured knee to take Lita down quickly, and after losing a tag team match on the following week, Trish was chased throughout the arena by Kane before escaping. On April 18th, an episode of Raw, Stratus had asked Lita to come out to the ring so she could apologize for all the terrible things she had done to her over the past year. Now, I didn't realize this when I was younger. I really didn't have internet access as easily as some people, and I really wanted to keep to the story. But apparently there was leaked information about Lita now possibly having a relationship with Edge. So when she came out on Trish's request, the fans booed Lita as she arrived to the ring and pretty much throughout the whole entire arena until she left. Trish had constantly told the fans to stop insulting Lita as she shared a sincere and unscripted moment with Lita. However, to keep true to the story, Lita knocked out Trish with her crutches and had Kane also come out to attack Trish Stratus. Viscera came out to protect Trish, and the feud began between Trish and Lita once more, and it carried out a while... Kane and Viscera had a feud that ended at Backlash with Kane winning. At the Raw Gold Rush tournament, Lita turned her back on Kane and helped Edge defeat him in the finals, revealing that she was feigning her knee injury all along. On May 30th, the episode of Raw, 
Lita announced that she filed for divorce and called Kane such things like he was a fourth grader in the bedroom. Following this, she attempted to marry Edge on the June 20th episode of Raw, but it was interrupted by Kane, who emerged from the center of the ring, and Lita and Edge escaped while Kane tombstoned the priest. Talk about a way to stop a wedding. So, taking advantage of a real-life issue between Lita, Edge, and Matt Hardy, the WWE started up a powerful storyline. I seriously thought it was just a storyline. I didn't realize it was real-life stuff, but back then, you know, you're a kid, you want to believe this. You want, you want to believe in the magic. Edge and Lita had started to have a relationship. Matt was no longer really in a relationship with Lita. She kind of cut ties. It, it kind of ended in a very bad way, a way that does make me feel for Matt, I won't lie. But there's always different sides to the story. So, I mean, I've heard all three. It's really a big mess, but it is what it is. I still have respect for all three people. I'm not saying anything bad about Lita. I'm not saying anything bad about Edge. Edge is one of my favorites. I'm not saying anything bad about Matt. It was handled pretty crazy, but that's what happens sometimes when you get emotions tied in. So, Hardy was at first released from the WWE because of all this stuff and feeling that he wasn't safe. But then he was rehired several months later with Lita being on Edge's side and being his valet. Edge defeated Matt Hardy at SummerSlam, followed by a ladder match on Raw that stipulated for Hardy to leave Raw if he lost. So with him losing the match, Hardy was out of Raw and couldn't be back there for that. However, Edge turned around, followed that up with defeating John Cena at New Year's Revolution for the WWE Championship. Big, awesome moment there. But then again, this isn't about Edge. I'll get to that later on. The Rated Iron Superstar celebrated his victory with Lita on Raw with a very risque segment celebrating his victory. While the two were engaged in an erotic foreplay on and under the sheets of a bed in the middle of the ring, Nature Boy Ric Flair arrived to interrupt them and belittle Edge. Enraged, Edge delivered a concerto on the announcer's table to Ric Flair until John Cena came out to aid the Nature Boy and and to perform an attitude adjustment. Then, back those times, though, it was called an F.U., and he didn't perform this on Edge. No, 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 no. He performed the attitude adjustment on Lita. Due to this event, Raw had actually received a 5.2 rating, the highest rating that Raw received in over a year during that time. And this is actually what made Edge call himself the most watched champion ever. Lita teamed with Edge on a February episode of Raw to go against John Cena and Maria. Lita continued to manage and assist Edge frequently while also interfering in the feud between Edge and Mick Foley. However, in May of 2006, Mick Foley joined up with Edge and Lita to defeat Mick Foley's rivals back from ECW. Those rivals were Terry Funk, Tommy Dreamer, and Beulah McGillicuddy. Kind of tricky word to say, but hey. 
And this seemed to be like a very impromptu six-person tag team match at one night stand where they became victorious after Edge speared Beulah. On August 14th, 2006, Lita actually won her third women's championship by defeating Mickie James on Raw. At the Unforgiven pay-per-view, Trish Stratus won the title back during her retirement match. So, kind of a bittersweet thing for Trish. She won the title, but hey, it was retirement, so if you're going to go out, I guess go out with a bang, right? The following Monday, the title was vacated, and a tournament was scheduled to crown a new champion. On November 5th, at Cyber Sunday, Lita won that tournament during a Lumberjill match. Lita made James compete in several handicap matches. Mickey James, that is. These matches were like um, having one hand tied behind her back or being blindfolded. Yeah, sneaky tricks. But, you know, if you're going to be with the Radar Superstar, you're going to learn a few of his sneaky tactics, I guess. November 20th, Lita declared her final match would be a Survivor Series, where she had lost her match to her rival at that time, Mickey James. After that match, it seemed like the relationship between Edge and Lita came to an end as well without any explanation or hint. After her wrestling career, Lita formed the band known as the Luchagors in mid-2006. Their debut was in Atlanta on September 2006 at an event called the Rockin' Shock. The band released their self-titled album, The Luchagors, on September 11, 2007, and it is currently the only album out there. She also did become the founder of an animal charity. That acronym is called ADORE back in 2003. I'm not going to give out the actual full name because... As I've told people before, I'm all about kayfabe. I like to keep it within the character names. So, subtle hint there. It's a spoiler. If you do look it up, you might find out what Lita's actual name is. Alright, boys and girls, that wraps it up for this week. I want to thank you for checking this out and listening about one of the greats of women's wrestling, Lita. I also want to thank our guest, Harleen, the queen of PWA. And don't forget, check us out next week as we continue the series, and you never know what might be coming up right around the corner. See you next week, guys. Thank you for listening to the Sleeper Hold Podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at thesleeperhold.com to comment on episodes, read our blog, find information about our quarterly charity, and more. See you next week.